The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So when Reverend Josh and I stepped in in March to be the co-leaders of this community, we gave a talk where we shared with the community a, an idea, a vision that we have for how we want to serve, especially in this first year of our new ministry. And it was a one, we shared a number of things, but there was one sentence that I want to bring back into the room today. We shared that we want to honor the legacy and co-create our future. And so we have started a program, a series in this month of May and the first Sunday of June that I believe really is is a center point for that statement, a legacy of sharing an adventure and prosperity around this time every year to stop and, and do some pointed work about abundance and prosperity and money and all the good that comes into our lives and to also invite participation from our community in co-creation. And so our theme for this year's Adventures in Prosperity is keys to the future, our lives, our church, our world, keys to our future. And so we gave you a key, hopefully, when you came in this morning. If you didn't get one, feel free to talk to one of the greeters or the ushers about getting a key as a reminder reminder that everyone who is a participant in our community is a key to our future as a church. And I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but we envision you keeping this key with you on a key ring or putting it on an altar or having it in a place where you see it regularly to remind yourself not only are you a key to the future of Mile High Church, but there are some keys that you can live in your life and some keys that we can be about together to shift the state of our world. And that's what I want to focus on in our series. And today we are talking specifically about unlocking the floodgates to source. For me, the first step in understanding the abundant nature in which we live, move, and have our being is to unlock the floodgates to source. And sometimes when it comes to these topics of abundance, we get a little bit uh, uncomfortable because we feel that these topics may not go along with spirituality. But in a teaching of oneness and unity, where everything is an expression of the divine, I feel as a spiritual leader that it's my responsibility and duty to teach about everything in life, including abundance and prosperity and money as a tool to support us in our living and that it's an extremely spiritual and important thing to to discover. For me, the vision of a world where everyone has plenty, where everyone is living a life of abundance and has plenty of food and shelter and opportunities comes by being responsible enough to talk about it and to deepen into it and to be with it. It's a spiritual experience. It's a spiritual subject. It's a spiritual issue, as every issue is. And in a a book called The Amazing Book of Useless Information, (laughs) how'd you like to be the author of that book, right? (laughs) Noel Botham, the author, says, he reminds us that in the Judeo-Christian Bible, there are 500 passages that deal with prayer. There are under 500 passages that deal with faith. And there are more than 2,000 passages that deal with money and possessions. 
spiritual admonishments and advice in the Judeo-Christian Bible. So it feels to me like as a, as a, a huma- that humanity has been seeking answers for how to be with the notion of our spiritual truth and the ways of the world for eons and eons and eons. And so we get to, in this month together, deepen into that that exploration, that beautiful opportunity for all of us to be rooted in the spiritual truth and to recognize that if we're experiencing lack or limitation in our lives in any way, shape, or form, that our teaching and belief here says that we can step in to the flow of life, that indeed there is a floodgate of the divine that is flowing through us right now, that if we were to open completely to it, we could not keep ourselves from experiencing great good in our own life and good that we could share and give back to the world. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, speaks often of this. And sometimes people will try to say, well, Ernest Holmes didn't talk about abundance or money that often, but he did. He had plenty to say because I think he believed, like I did, that this is an issue that is an important spiritual issue. So here's what he said in his wonderful book called Love and Law. I love this quote. He says, if you could realize the tremendous power of attraction that holds everything in its place, it is yours. It is yours, this gift. It is the divine birthright of every living soul. But we limit ourselves by thought of limitation. Now we must open up the doors of our consciousness and expand and expand and expand and no longer think in terms of the backyard lot, but in terms of the infinite nature in terms of the universe. He was talking about our true spiritual nature. And so we've built up these, these, these gates that block us from our spiritual nature, I think often in the form of resistance, in the form of, of believing and falling into beliefs that there are not, there's not enough somewhere. And every one of us has those places. Some, for some of us, it's money. There's not enough money in the world or in my life or the economy. There's not enough or there's more than enough or whatever our story is. There's not enough time. There's not enough love. There's not enough opportunities. There's not enough good people in the world. There's not enough single people in the world. There's not enough whatever it might be that our story is. And we need to recognize that in terms of the truth of the universe, this is not ever the truth. We may say it, but our saying only makes it appear to be so. I had a very powerful experience of this recently in my own personal life. When I was young and my parents uh, started their process of, of splitting up, I was 10 years old, and my mother had never had a job. And so I was a little worried about if she was going to be able to make a living and we were going to be able to survive, right? And so I thought, from, I decided as a little 10-year-old that I would do my part by trying not to eat too much in my house and to be sure that my brother and sister and mother had enough food. And so this was a very loving, kind thing to do, but it built up this lack in me such that when I went over to your house, I ate everything I possibly could put my hands on. <laughs> or when I got that, that job in the lunchroom that said, if you work the lunchroom, you can have as much lunch as you want. Well, I helped myself. 
And so this lack consciousness built up this part of me that would overindulge. And I, I had other issues in my life that contributed to that, but I struggled and had an eating disorder when I was a teenager and was very frustrated with eating and food in my body for a long time and have done huge personal growth work to to heal that, which is, you might say, is a food issue, but it ultimately is a perception of lack. There's not enough. And then I was at a meeting a couple of weeks ago where we had a personal chef for the group who was presenting and preparing and presenting food. And as we'd stand around at each meal, and she would tell us what there was there to eat. And now that I'm a little bit more discerning about what I choose to eat, I noticed that as I was standing there, this anxiety was rising up in me. There's not going to be enough food. There's not going to be enough of what I need. What if they all eat all that and I don't get it and I really need that? And this whole dialogue that I was like, what are we, 10 years old again? I mean, what is going on? And then I would watch as we all ate and as we all did our thing and notice that the chef was an expert. And by gosh, if she didn't prepare exactly the right amount of food... And that none of us, including me, went hungry time and time and time again. And as I walked away one day, I said to myself, you know what? That perception of lack is not the truth. That perception of lack is in me. There's an expert who knew what she was doing. And I would say to each one of us, whatever your lack story might be, whatever you're trying to talk yourself into believing that there's not enough of, that perception of lack, it's in you. It's not the truth. There is nothing that the expert that created this entire universe and everything in it hasn't supplied us with fully for every one of us to survive and thrive. Any perception of lack is in us. And indeed, the first thing I want to invite us to take a look at today is that illusion of lack. And to begin to call it for what it is, to look out at our world just like I had to in that moment and say, Michelle, this is your childhood talking. This is an old issue. You've got to smooth this energy out and remind yourself as you stand before that meal to give thanks for all the bounty that is before you and that there is plenty in in that meal and in your life. You have never gone hungry. There is plenty of food and to give thanks for the bounty. And that that illusion is exactly that. An illusion born out of an old, worn-out perception. Born out of some misperception. And that part of how we begin to unlock the floodgates that are seeking expression through us is to realize that any perception of lack is an illusion. I love the Star Wars shows, the the series and the movies, and I also love uh, a new one that's out called The Orville, and there's so many things that I love about them, but one of the things that I've spent lots of time contemplating are those, those replicators that they have, where they, they can just walk up to the replicator and ask for pretty much anything, and it, boop, it shows up. 
you know? And, and I think about how that would be if that was really the truth of life. In the Orville recently, the crew was going into the replicator and saying they were going to go down to a planet and they wanted clothing that would fit the culture of that particular planet so that they could feel like they fit in. And boom, the clothes just appeared. And how nice it would be to have a, a replicator for my coffee addiction. <laughs> Starbucks, dark roast, grande, venti, moss, I want more. And, and I, you know, that's what happens, right? If we imagine a replicator, this inner child in us that's been like, there's not enough, might stand before it. Chocolate and candy and whatever it is that we want, not only in food, but I'll have a million dollars right there, whatever, this, this uh, wanting in us. And yet, I... I watch how the culture is depicted in these movies and how these replicators are just like, yeah, have what you want. Have whatever you need. What if that was our world? I've contemplated, like, how would it be if I just really felt peace about, I can have anything I want. And then I realize, I do have a replicator. Right here. Right here. Right here. That I, through the power of my word, through the source of creation, the source flows through me so fully and completely that I have the freedom to create the life that I want to create. And nothing out there says, no, you can't have any more of that coffee. No, you can't have that. But I have the ability to step in and create. And even though I imagine that some part of me might go a little crazy, that's just my lack talking. When I step into the center of my being that says, Michelle, you could create anything you want in your life. There's an ease and a peace that comes about that says, what do I really want? What would I really like to do with the energy and the power and the gifts and the talents and the, the, the wonderful expression that is my life? There's not this desperation about, I want a new car, I want to make... It's a, I want a, I want a life where I can feel happy and content and I can give back and I can serve and I can share my gifts and talents and I can connect and I can love and I can... All those things are more of the wanting for me than all that stuff that we think that we need. Now, not that that stuff isn't fun or important. It's just that I think in the space of imagining I could have anything I want, there's a peace that comes over me. A part of the desperation that we have about our world, about time, about energy, about all those things, is there's some part of us that's still believing there's not enough and that we can't have them. And when we cease believing in that and begin to allow our energy to resonate more with the replicator of the universe, the God source, the force of the universe that is pouring through each one of us in limitless capacity at all times, and we begin to understand that the life that we most seek at the depth of our being can be ours, we begin to cease giving power and energy to lack and limitation and begin to turn towards the possibility of unlocking the source, the limitless source of the divine as us. And so today, as we begin to surrender and imagine surrendering the illusion of lack, I want to talk very squarely and clearly about what that means to us in terms of source as our life, as our church, 
and as our world. So source as our life. Last week, Edwin Gaines started this series off brilliantly, didn't she? Wasn't she amazing? Those of you who are here, was, I thought it was brilliant and beautiful. And she's, she's wonderful in so many ways, and she deepened my own awareness of the power of forgiveness when she was here. When I realized that in my personal life and in our life collectively, so often the reason we have a sense of lack and limitation in our personal relationships is that we continue to persist in believing that other people are our source. So Edwin talked pretty plainly to us about the power of forgiveness, about the willingness to forgive those who we perceive have wronged us or have, have done something that we don't believe in or that has hurt us or betrayed us. And for me, especially today on Mother's Day, what I know is that, that uh, we can celebrate and honor our mothers as we have already. And a deeper reality to me of looking at Mother's Day is that all of us have a mother, right? Somewhere, somewhere in the universe, And Mother's Day for me has not only become a time to honor and celebrate uh, my mother and mothers in general to celebrate and, and honor that I am also a mother, but to look at how I can free my own mother from my persistent belief that she should be the source for me. And what that looks like usually is forgiveness, because we persist in believing that our parents should be the source. And part of why it's hard to forgive is that there's a should in there, right? My mother should have loved me. My mother should have done such and such for me. My father should have whatever for me. I saw this cute story in Reader's Digest between two kids, Betsy and Billy. And Betsy says to Billy, if you have $2 and you ask your father for $4, how many dollars would you have? And Billy says, $2. And she says, Betsy, he says, she, she says, Billy, you don't know your math. And Billy says, you don't know my father. <laughs> And I thought, that's kind of the bane of it, isn't it? That we all keep part of our mother, uh, father, daughter, son wound is that we persist in believing our parents should have fill in the blank. And all our life, we spend holding them hostage to that should. And all the while we're doing that, what happens is it's like we've plugged into them and not only think they should have they should still. They should be. They should be different. They should be this way. They should be that way. And what happens when we choose to forgive is that we unplug our energy from them being the source, and we stand there with this unplugged energy and an opportunity to plug into the universe. Because you know, when we're plugged in to the divine, the light, the heat... I am complete. I see the doorway of a thousand churches, the resolutions of all my fruitless searching. And I realize the divine in me is my source. No longer do I need to keep my parents accountable as my source. I can forgive them. I can say these beings who themselves have flaws and inabilities to love or connect, they're no longer my source. I forgive them fully. But then 
what we find in our life as we begin to do this in everywhere that we possibly can. My spouse is not my source. My friends are not my source. My minister is not my source. The government is not my source. God knows the politicians sometimes are not our source, right? Part of what happens in our life is we begin to get the limitless source of love that I've been seeking has been right here all along. And I forgive you for forgetting that I was looking at it from you. And I let you be who you are. And I remember that. And so we begin to be free. We begin to have freedom. We begin to come alive because we've stopped trying to get something that we're never gonna get from people who couldn't give it to us. And we start claiming it for ourselves. I remember in doing this work with my relationship with my mother over the years, what begins to dawn on me is how many women in my life mothered me. And sometimes my mother couldn't, wouldn't, wasn't available, didn't live where I lived, and I needed mothering, and I got it. But for me to continue to persist and say, well, it should have come from her. She's the only source there is would have been a lack of consciousness. And so realizing how loved and supported and mothered I am, sometimes by some of you in this room, I am grateful for the ways that I am mothered and lifted up by other women and fathered by other men in this room who support me and help me enjoy that and friended by friends and loved ones who see the truth about me. We are channels for each other, certainly, but we are not the channel. And so we get to claim our power back in this this beautiful activity of forgiveness. And then we are sourced. And once sourced by that, we begin to look through the eyes of abundance at everything. And I want to talk very pointedly just for a few minutes about our church Because part of this process that we enter into in this wonderful activity is to to step into lifting up our church. I want to state very clearly as a minister on this wonderful team and as a religious scientist that I believe that God is the source of this church. Not a God out there who is deciding, well, our faith is better than their faith or our church is better than, no, no. God is the source that supplies all good to Mile High Church. And many of us are channels, are God in form, and channels for that source to express itself through various forms, through giving of tithes and offerings, through sharing gifts, through showing up, through prayerfulness, that, that this community is sourced by so many channels. But we are not, I don't think, attached to one channel. We certainly operate in a business model that says that, um, that our ability to to do all that we do and inspire people and do the good work that we do is primarily through the generous donations of our members and congregants and other channels of good that flow through our church. And yet, we work always to recognize that God is the source and invite always channels of good to continue to show up and support us. And what I know about this too is I've talked with people 
is that many of us have experienced guilt, guilt around money. Either we feel that organizations, whether it's churches or charities or, and even advertisers, are trying to guilt us into buying what it is or, or have guilted us into believing that we need to, to bump pony up or that sort of thing. And so out of that belief that people are just trying to guilt us, sometimes we put our hand up and we get defended and we want to stop. And we think, well, people shouldn't be asking for money. Churches should never ask for money. Churches shouldn't talk about money. Again, mixing that it's a spiritual issue. And it's also a recognition that sometimes our perceptions of lack and having been guilted so much cause us to be defensive about money. I was even uh, on the phone recently trying to get a hotel stay, and I, was, uh, I had a budget in mind of what I felt good about spending out of our family budget, and when I talked to the lady at the hotel, the price was high. And I said to her, well, thank you very much, but that price is a little high for me, and so I'm going to look elsewhere. And I was so shocked, the reservation lady started trying to guilt me. She said, well, you know, if you don't book this room, it, it could disappear. I said, yeah, I, I know that. I, I'm going to go probably do something else. Thank you very much. Well, you know, this rate is a, a better rate. You really should take this rate. I don't think you're going to get a better rate anywhere. And I was like, wow, thank you, but I appreciate that. And as I hung up the phone, I smiled because, number one, I didn't feel uh, guilted or offended in any way, shape, or form, which tells me that I am in a place of abundance because what I recognize is that uh, if I really believe that I am supplied by a limitless source of abundance, feel free to ask me for money anytime you like. Doesn't mean I have to say yes, right? But I also don't have to be offended. I don't have to be upset that someone asked me for money. Oh, okay. So what? I can be in a space of of recognizing that if God is my source and I am supplied by a limitless, infinite presence and something or someone wants me to buy their their thing or, or join their program or give to their charity and it's not right for me, that I can be a loving, wow, thank you, God bless you, and no. And I can also listen more intently about what is mine to do. How I might want to, to, to be a source, a channel for good. Because one of the things that happens is that when we feel too guilted about money, we tend to not source and supply the things that are most important to us. As we look at our money in our life, we might, we might forget to, to say, wow, this church or this organization or this person or this ability to take care of my life in this way means a lot to me. Therefore, I'm going to channel some of my good in that direction. And so in this regard, you were given and you will be in, reminded and invited every week during our program to consider joining us in partnership by filling out a card of intent. They were handed out today. We will invite you to fill them out today if you choose to, to take them home and pray over them, to, to make them a part of your life. When we, those of us who choose to, fill out a card of intent, we're doing a number of things. We're saying to ourselves, 
God is the source of this church. And how do I choose to step up to play? How do I choose to show up? How do I communicate to the leadership of this community that I'm there? I'm an investor. In whatever number it is, whatever amount it might be, how do I communicate that? It can be this way, which allows the wonderful board members, ministers, and staff of this church to continue to be amazing stewards of the gifts that we are giving. They are amazing stewards, and I would like to acknowledge our board and our staff for that. We also do something else for ourselves. We set an intention for ourselves that is about an intention for how much good we intend to attract into our lives without magical thinking. We don't want people to go, I plan to give a billion dollars. I don't know how, but to be realistic, to be conscientious, to be in that place of centeredness and say, this is mine to do. I claim it for myself and for my church because I am in partnership, I intend to be an investor, and I say yes to that. Remember, though, it's a choice. It's not for everyone, but for those of us that feel aligned with this, then we invite you into that partnership to fill out that card, to put it in the envelope, to put it in the offering basket, hand it to an usher, and our board of trustees have a table out in the lobby that they are willing to receive this because we get an opportunity as a community to source and lift up the church and be a channel for good for Mile High Church. And if that feels right, then we get to do that. But it's not only the church, it's other organizations and places that we want to continue to lift up. Some of us are very conscientious about where we spend our money, how we spend our money with certain companies, how we invest. It's about waking up and saying, I have a supply that pours through me and I'm going to be conscientious about it. And lastly, source as our world. I want to just speak briefly about that we all get to recognize that we are a light, a candle. But we have to remember to light the candle of light and life on behalf of our world on a regular basis. What can happen for us if we fall into the illusion of lack with regards to the world we see is that we can find ourselves complaining, being angry, feeling disconnected as a regular practice, a regular way of being. And part of that is that in our day and age, the news cycle is 24-7, and we can, we can tap into something that's happening in the world at any given time, but we forget that that something we're seeing is just one soundbite in a millions upon millions of soundbites happening. Every moment you see something horrible happening in the news, millions of great things are happening in the news. Every time we hear about someone who's done something bad, millions of good people are doing something good in the news. And we are in the world, and we have to remember that those sound bites are happening and that God is the source of good in our world and that we do nothing good for the world by continuing to bemoan and complain and, and be angry and frustrated about the world, the state of the world. We may walk through those steps a little bit, but for those of us who live there constantly and talk about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket or talking about it on social media or talking about it with our friends, we are not part of the solution. We are part of the problem. We are in that moment. 
As I was contemplating this, I was thinking about armchair quarterbacks, about how many people I know who get so passionate about whatever game they're watching. Football is the quarterback element and sitting there yelling and screaming at the TV, but it doesn't really do anything about the play on the field, does it? <laughs> right? And that's how many of us are. We're, we're great armchair quarterbacks for what's going on in the world, but really we forget that that's, that alone is not good enough to change the world. What has to happen in that moment is that we either have to get out of our armchair and go out and do something, or we have to be powerful prayers. I don't know what y'all are laughing about, but you'll have to share it with me later. Did you say something funny, Barbara? No, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Paul. All right, I'll get you later, Paul. <laughs> we all have to be willing to do one or either or both. To change our world, we have to recognize that everything we're seeing is God in form. And that if we want the narrative to shift, it will not shift by continuing to feed the energy of lack and limitation and anger and frustration. It can only shift when we walk the planet, each one of us being willing to make the shift within us, to light the candle within us that chooses to see the abundance of possibilities, of solutions, of love, of good activities, of good deeds, of good people, of good happening in our world, to see it, to praise it, to call it out for ourselves and other, and to become a part of it, unleashing itself onto our beautiful planet. And when we begin to do that, we can change our world. And so this is an invitation. Next week, we're going to continue to talk more about how we can individually become more engaged powerfully in freeing ourselves into what I'm talking about. But for this week, I have homework. If you choose to accept, and you will. No, (laughs) if you choose to accept. It's the willingness to walk forward in our life and begin to notice the illusion of lack that we've been suffering under. To notice it, to call it out, and to invite ourselves to consider how we could shift it. To notice where it is that we've been seeing other people as some source in our life and begin to unplug through the beautiful art of forgiveness or letting go or getting help doing that. It's about the willingness to step in and say, what's the role that I want to play in my church? And it's also then about the willingness to be willing to see the source of the divine in everything unleashing it, unlocking it through us and through our life. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.